0: course. I have run tiniest businesses, and I have run one business which I scaled up to nearly 50 people at one stage, which was a challenge. And I got lots wrong because I was a very ignorant business person because uh, I hadn't really had any training, and it was a kitchen table start, so you you do it on the fly. Yeah. And. I started in in a funnest way. My leadership style was probably better when I started than when I finished. I think, you know, that's the pressure. And the more you get the feel of the fact that you don't know anything, makes you a worse leader before you've even brought any other factors into it. Mm. But yeah, I did that for about 20 odd years. And then I sort of really burnt out in the end and I lost my way anyway because i had been providing for children with that. And so I thought, oh, no, me time. I will do what I've always wanted to do since I was a child, which is right. But I still love entrepreneurship, so I write about entrepreneurs. And hence this fascination, among other things, of, that I have watching the whole business and leadership in particular evolve over the years, which has changed so drastically, as you know. Yeah,
2: yeah, absolutely. And your book that you've written is called Scale for Success.
0: Tell us a little bit about that. Well, scale for success. I wrote because I wanted to dig back into why I got stuck, or you know, did over a long period of time. And I also watched a lot of entrepreneurs get stuck at that particular sort of phase when you are on the way to scaling. You know, maybe a few million turnover, but you can't quite get the whole hog, and you know, things start to go wrong. And so I thought, you know, what's going on there? You know, why is nobody talking about this? And of course, they are on podcasts now, but at the time I, I didn't hear a great deal about it. And I thought, I want to find out more about this. What is going on? Why does it go so wrong? And I thought, well, I'll talk to other entrepreneurs, dig around who, who have gone through it and actually achieved it successfully and find out their secrets and put it together in a book. Nice. So that's what I did.
2: Yeah. Oh, that was my choice fun. Oh, very cool. Congrats. I think that's, that's awesome news. And, and I think, you know, Scale for Success is really quite a cool title. And I think, you know, as the listeners here are entrepreneurs who have got their own businesses and it's a different scale as well, different size businesses. Some are multi-million dollar uh, businesses and some are a little bit smaller. But then we've also got leaders who are at different executive leaders from small to medium-sized businesses through to corporates as well, large corporates. And I think that a book like yours would be ideal for any of them, actually. It's not just, uh, I think any leader should read it as well because it's about success and it's about probably trying times, but also about what they did and how the mindset came into it, where they were thinking about things. So I think it'd be a really, really, really cool idea for people to read it. So listeners, if you haven't already checked it out, check out the book, The Scale for Success by Jan, and I think it'd be a wonderful book for you all to read. Now, Jane, is there anything else you'd like to share about in your background as well? Anything else you'd like to share?
0: I, I think that's the sort of main point, but, you know, to, to probably my length of service as a leader and, in, and investigating leadership and entrepreneurship in general. I got involved with a lot of entrepreneurship campaigns during my years for owning businesses. So, I went off and tried to encourage people to start businesses or if they wanted to, I mean, this is not you know you must start a business, but you know if they thought, "Well, oh, I'd love to do that, but I can't," you know, try to to give them a bit of confidence and a bit of guidance, and say that is an option to you. When I started out, nobody really had heard of entrepreneurship. Mm. It was almost before the time it got so popular with TV programs and things, you know. Mm. So uh, it was it was semi-educational. I worked with schools, colleges, and small business groups. Excellent, and, and indeed, you, you so
2: yeah. I think it's really cool that you're working with schools and colleges and that. Now, when you said some of them don't start because what is it that that sort of stops them? That's what I'm really wanting to know because I think it's a it's a probably a key thing here for a lot of listeners.
0: I think a lot of it is mindset. Actually, you know, if we're talking books, I've got a, another one coming out in January called Staff for Success to up upright. and among the entrepreneurs I talked to for that one was a fasc- fascinating one from Australia who had had terrible trouble with fear. And he told me of story stories. I tell in the book about, uh, because I think it's such a good example of getting over fear. And he he'd had a sand I'm trying to remember it because it's a little while since I've edited it, but he had a sand dune collapse on him as a child. And he'd got this fear. I mean, we all have those sort of fears and, you know, or something particular, but they tend to spread out and impede your confidence, I think. And the press picked it up for some reason, and he got hold- He was got hold of by, uh, by Bear Grylls, hmm. of all unlikely and amazing experiences, who dragged him off to the Italian Dolomites and got him to uh, go into caves there. But I think, you know, well, that's an extreme example of, of trying to get over your fear, perhaps. You know, the general principle that, you know, fear is, which he talks about, fear just being in the mind. And there's a lovely quote that we got for the book, which is that fear fear is everything you, you want is on the other side of fear, mm. give or take on the quote. But, but it's true, you know, you've got people have got this obstacle, this great mountain in their mind of, ah, oh, I'm going to fail. This is going to be terrible. And and really, it's not. You know, it's no big deal. What's terrible is not starting.
2: Mm. That also goes down to leadership. I think that the fear of not making a decision, not starting, mm. and procrastinating. Very much so. Yeah. I mean, people get annoyed, or with a leader who doesn't, even an entrepreneur. And I think from a, a true entrepreneur will get frustrated with themselves for not starting. And I think that's that's a really important thing here. But I love what that that sort of quote. Everything you want is on the other side of fear. And I know that you're saying that may not be correct 100%, but I think that's, that's a cool way of saying it as well. The principle, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So listeners, get over your fear. Easy for, for Jan and I just to say it, but it's not always easy to do. It does take work to get over the fear. But you know what? You can do it. It can happen. You, you can definitely get over it.
0: You can. Just, just remind yourself of how much you've regretted it. it you didn't start and then focus on where you want to get to, Put fear to one side, just focus and go for it. Mm, very good.
1: Yeah, I am the, currently the CFO, the founder, and the host of Next Level University. We're a global top 100 podcast with 1,125 episodes, I think, as of today, listeners in 125 plus countries, and we do an episode every day. So we, every single day, we're jumping on these microphones, trying to add value to our amazing community. And I'd love to say that I was an entrepreneur growing up and a business owner and I always wanted this, but I job hopped for a long time until I found quote unquote success, realized that wasn't what I wanted out of life, ended up sitting on the edge of a bed debating suicide and leaving all of that behind to to start this mission to impact as many people
2: as humanly possible. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Of because course. I think that uh a lot of people out there today are like that as well. They're going through all sorts of things. They don't know. They're, they're, there's a whole lot of kids who are at, um, excuse me, university or college, and uh, well, we call it, you call it college in your country, we call it university here, but even at high school and things like that, and so they don't they don't know what they're wanting to do, yeah. and they get these wonderful degrees and these pieces of paper, and they're going embark on the world, and then what? and if, if someone is like that, what, what do you suggest they should be thinking about if they're unsure on what they should do?
1: It's, it's a challenge because I'm, I didn't go to college. I knew I didn't want to go to college. I didn't know what I wanted to do. This is what I would say. I would say, what do you think would make you the most fulfilled? Not what would make you the happiest. What are you, when you do it, you enjoy the process so much, even if you were doing it for free, because I believe When you start something, many people start something for profit, and they're not even passionate about it, and they're counting down the days until they can finish that job or that career, retire, when if you said, okay, what am I unreasonably passionate about that I'm willing to try and I'm willing to stay in the pool until I learn how to swim, aka I'm willing to do it until I figure out how to make money, I think that is a recipe for a more fulfilling, a more aligned, and a more impactful life.
2: Yeah, very good. Now, when you said about the fulfilling stuff, that if I think about what you've done already in the podcasting world and in your your business as well, it's it's awesome. And that I think, and knowing from what I am, where I am now, nowhere near where you are. But the thing here is this: is that what you and I understand from a podcasting world, but it's also relevant for an entrepreneur, relevant for a leader, even if it's in a small to large corporate, is commitment Mm -hmm. and consistency. Those two key words. Yeah, tell us a little bit more about that.
1: Yeah. Consistency. This is always the example I use. If you tried to get me to do the splits right now, any gymnastic moves, I would be in some trouble. I am not there. But if I said, you know what? I'm going to make a commitment today that I'm going to practice the splits for five minutes every single day for the next 365 days, I am willing to bet the bank that within a year I'd be able to do it. But if I went down to six days a week, it might happen. It might take longer. Five days a week, same thing. If I only did it once a week, I probably wouldn't see any change. And that's the importance of consistency from many different perspectives. One, you can ignite the power of the compound effect. Two, you're going to learn so much about what you're doing. Three, the more reps you do, so the more performances of something you do, the more you can run the mastery formula of, okay, let me prep for this. Let me show up and do it. Let me reflect and figure out what worked and what didn't. Honestly, you can't really win without consistency. You can't win without consistency. And understand this, commitment is so important because in the beginning of every journey, the results are very, very minimal. Very minimal. Sometimes you're getting the opposite of results. You're getting negative results. But if you stay committed to something long enough and you have the staying power, you have a much, much higher likelihood of succeeding. I can't promise you'll be successful. But I can promise you if you quit, you won't be.
2: Mm-hmm. And I think that's where we see in the podcast world and anything else in life that people do quit. And I, and I think they quit too early. In mm-hmm. um, other words, because as you said, they do it for a little while or the way I say it sometimes is they poke it with a stick and then ta-da, am I successful yet? No. And then they go, oh, well, it didn't work for me. And I think it's just too early to quit. It's,
1: I don't think people fail. I think people quit. I really, Mm. and again, in the beginning, if you said that to me, I would say, well, isn't that kind of the same thing? Now I have the understanding that after 100 episodes, if we quit because we weren't successful yet, we would have said, well, we tried this podcast thing. After 100 episodes, nothing happened. Same after 200, same after 300. But now we're getting more listens in a day than we got in the first year. But that never would have happened if we stopped after year one. So yeah, the commitment aspect is so important.
2: Yeah. I've got to tell you a funny story. Well, I think it's funny. I used to do competitive ballroom dancing many years ago when I met Mary, my wife, and we're at a social event one day, and it's going to long the stories of you doing the splits, right, and and taking time. Mm. Well, I was acting the goat at the social event, and I slipped, and I ended up doing the splits, and all there was this thud, and I came off. And you know how you said it takes a while for you to do that, but you have to build up onto it, right? Build up on it. For me, it was just like within seconds, here I was, and I did the splits. I had to take nine months off mm. because I wasn't prepared. And I think the big thing here for a lot of people is that at the time it was funny, and, it, and it, but it hurt and, uh, and so forth. But I think preparation is another thing that people need to think about. What's your thoughts on that?
1: That's, that's one of the reasons why the consistency is so important because what goes into the performance is the preparation. So not only have you done, say you've done 500 coaching calls, You haven't just done 500 coaching calls. You've done 500 preparations for coaching calls, as well as 500 follow-ups from coaching calls. And every single one of those things makes you a little bit better. So preparation, especially in in my industry, what we do is so important because if you don't take preparation seriously, it's very hard to take the performance seriously. And it's very hard to get good results. So much of what you do is before and after the actual performance.
2: Mm, I love it. I love that. Yeah, that's awesome. Now Kevin how did you get into to leadership?
1: <laughs> Much by accident. We started a podcast. The podcast grew through us really leaning into our growth and our self-improvement, our personal development, and we said, "All right, we're at the point now where we we need a team. We're running out of time. We don't we can't do everything ourselves now." So we started bringing on people from the community who wanted to work on the mission, and it was one of those, "Okay, this is going to be a trial by fire, I guess. We're going to learn how to lead effectively." So I started real leadership when we started building a team. I had a little bit of background. I was, I was the captain of my baseball team. That counts a little bit. I was mm. the foreman of the company I worked for. So I was leading anywhere from two to, to six individuals on job. So I had some leadership experience, but it was really for me when we turned this into an actual business and we said, okay, it's it's time to build out a team that can help us accomplish this mission.
2: Mm. And, and having that team around you, you know, that mission, that mm. purpose where you're going is really key. Yeah. And have you learned a lot from being that leader and having <laughs> to bring on the team to help with the mission?
1: Yeah, I think it's not what I expected, but it's, it's one of those weird things where I've always just tried to lead the way I'd like to be led. And I didn't realize that what we were doing was super weird compared to what's happening in a lot of different companies and organizations. I think the most challenging thing for me was making sure I'm taking ownership for exactly what I should be taking ownership for in terms of the mistakes being made. It's very hard to blame somebody else. I mean, it's very easy to blame somebody else. It's very hard to blame yourself when it's your own fault. That's been one of the biggest challenges because I think we all have that subconscious fear that, well, if I make a lot of mistakes, people aren't going to respect me. Or if I make a lot of mistakes, people are going to look at me differently or they're not going to trust me. When I think, in fact, it's the opposite. When you own up to your mistakes, even going to our conversation about commitment, when you're committed to being the best leader you can possibly be, I think that people look up to that and they understand how challenging it is to to take ownership for mistakes. So that's been one of the harder things for me. One of the most positive things is seeing how fast and how drastically people can grow. It's so inspiring to see how people grow through positive interactions through positive feedback, opportunities for growth, opportunities to get out of their comfort zone. It's been very big. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world.